we'll, we're going to divvy up into some groups in a few minutes, but how many enjoyed uh, hearing about tech on Sunday? Oh, yeah. 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 How, many, how many are convicted, like I am, yeah. about yeah. tech? Yeah. Bob, open the prayer Thank you for bonding, Lord God, and um, Lord, we just uh, offer tonight to you, Lord, um, the work we've done, the work we haven't done yet, the work, the places where we still need some changes and still need some healing, Lord. We ask you to just enter in today, Holy Spirit, fill us with all, what only you can fill us with, and Lord, let us hear something new, challenge us tonight, Lord God, to apply what we're hearing tonight, challenge us to, to move closer into that, those painful areas that need healing tonight, Lord God. So just thank you and wait in anticipation for what you're going to do with us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, while I have the ladies here, how many of the ladies were in connection? We did bonding together. on. How many of my girls from bonding there? Saturday. From the Saturday groups. Yeah, Saturday groups. Wow, a lot of them are. How have been? That's right. Anything you want to pack on? What would you say... After that Saturday group, uh, what, what would you say are some of the things that you've seen happen since we started and we've gotten to really work with the material and bonding? Oh, what, yeah, you, what, yeah. have you, what have you been seeing in your life? Tremendous the openness, tremendous openness that was never there before, and it's just fluid. It just comes very easily. You don't force it. You just find yourself desiring to be more open, more honest, more... Um, sharing of your life. Yeah. I mean, the, like the walls and the barriers have come down. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. relationships are you know, much more in my life than they ever were. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm too. We're you know coming down and starting to see you know no that you know you know there's no rejection there and there's you know it's okay yes. it's safe you know. Yes. Yeah. No rejection. That's a, interesting. Because one of the things that we you know we'll mention tonight again too is that. Our past injuries mm -hmm. in our past relationships <coughs> I did. <laughs> affect affect us today. We're talking to Tom back there about his in computers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I love the uh, metaphor that uh, Henry uses. He says that just like your you know your your cell phone, you know how many of you got you listen to the technology right? I got killed with. Is it the last thing you do at night and the first thing you do in the morning? How many else got killed there? How many the rest of you got? <laughs> but what's the first thing you do when your plane lands? Exactly. I'd like to talk about his metaphor. Before, actually, before I talk about his metaphor for your cell phone, um, how many saw the film the video last week with uh, Mike Bickle? How many were here for the video? Okay. Jen, tell us about the video. Tell us about it. Uh, um, you raised your hand. The video was, what did I take away from it? Second Timothy, in the end times, right? People will be lovers of themselves and all those kind of things. But I guess if I was to sum it up, what I took away was the need to be emotionally stable. Yeah. That in the end times, yeah. when anger and things are running rampant, people are... Hey. Hey. All right, all right, all right. Hey. Hey. Yeah, yeah. 
So one of the things that, that Mike was talking about uh, on the video, I just want to kind of jump off from there. Mike Pickle was talking about, he was using the scripture verses from uh, Luke 21 and Matthew 24, which is where the Lord himself is talking about the end days and what the climate is going to be like. And uh, he went on, he took scripture verses, particularly from Luke 21, where he talked about drunkenness and uh, cares of this life and drunkenness, he used the word carousing actually, he used the word, but he said carousing has a lot more to do with, it's not just drunkenness, it's immorality, and uh, I don't remember the exact verse, but it's Luke 21. And he said, if you, don't, if you recognize that, Luke 21 is the same day Jesus was talking, Matthew 24 and Luke 21 are the same discourse. And it's just written down by two different people. But it's the master himself, and, and the way Mike put it, Mike said it was like he was pastoring the generation that would be alive in the last days. And so he was talking about uh, the climate and what it would be like. And uh, he went on to, when he talked about drunkenness and immorality, the reason that I thought it was so such a good jump off place for us last week was because I was happy to hear Mike say, he said, and he said, he said, you know, that uh, his peers, um, pastors who have been around for, for a long time, he, uh, he said, we're just amazed at the upsurgence of immorality and drunkenness in the last 10 years, uh, 15 years. And, and, you know, and of course not to put condemnation on people. The thing is that I, I like that what he said because I agree with him. He said, and what we're seeing is that a lot of it has to do with people self-medicating themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, exactly. I thought, so it wasn't a judgmental statement that, you know, remember that when we're talking about in Christ, there's no good and bad. Uh, of course there are things that God knows that, and he tells us that these are not things that are going to get you what you want. And these are traps from the enemy. But it's not about making people good and bad. You know, there's one thing for sure. The Bible talks about uh, a morality from love, not a morality from rules. What's the difference? Have you ever not done something because of somebody you loved? and you didn't want to hurt them, mm -hmm. as opposed to not doing something because the rules said you shouldn't do it? Mm -hmm. Think about that. That is why we say that Christianity isn't rules. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And until we really get, understand that at the root of the gospel of reconciliation, it's God is all about relationships. And he is the biggest bonder. What, what's bonding? I hate the term because I even use it when we get up on Sunday and say, you're going to talk about bonding, and people are like, bonding? I mean, it's such a weird word. But it means living in relationship is what bonding means. Think about this. A baby bonds, connects with its, with its caregiver before it can rationally uh, understand a thing. You, this, uh, this bonding is something that we are so hardwired for. Remember, when a baby is born, they are born in absolute isolation. Baby is not screaming. A baby is screaming because they are in absolute isolation. And what relationship does, what a relationship does 
from the caregiver, the mom, is to pull that child, pull that person out of isolation and into relationship. And until we understand, listen, so many of the problems we have, and, and I say I say it all the time, but we just go around this room. If we were really honest with each other and we were you know, open and honest, we'd realize that probably every single one of us ha- uh, has a relationship problem in some, some way, in some form, right now, every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we're talking about here is not, we're not talking about psychology, per se. We're not talking about... Uh, self-help and let's just you know our, our best life now we're talking about where we all live that relationships are where we get our most joy and our most pain and we are hurt in relationships and one of the things that i just want to touch on tonight is is one of the things that that happens to us one of the things that prevents us today from having the kind of relationships we want is injuries we've had in the past. And and, and so the, the, the insidious thing about it is, well, and Mary, you said lies. We're realizing lies we believed and lies that the enemy has fed us about God, about myself, about people, about life. And what because we don't know this, well, how do I, you know? Okay, so how do I how do I know this? Well, clearly we know it from clinical, relational, or functional symptoms. And but the, the most insidious thing about it is you don't tie what your pain is to what your injury was. We don't we don't necessarily understand. But listen, how many how many stories have we now read in the newspaper about guys who have been we call them the shooters, right? these terrible incidences where people go and what's almost the first thing you hear from every time every time that every time they tell you about the person what's almost the first thing you hear about the man they're isolated that is almost like the absolute underlying you have to understand that isolation is absolutely we are saved we are saved to come out of isolation we are relationship with God. God pulls us into a relationship with Him, and and this is where I'm afraid that we lose it in Christianity, when we don't understand that as the stewards of God's grace, that very often you are going to touch Jesus through His people, through relationships. The thing is this, guys. The thing is this. Oh, yeah, I would like a blackboard for that. Okay, well, the, the, the thing is this. Some, some, of the people that are, some of the people that are most disconnected are people that know it the least. Not only do they know it the least, that at some level they have lost their hunger for relationships. And one of the things that Henry talks about, he says, it's actually three stages. The first stage is protest. When you you you're losing, when you don't have relationship, the first thing you do is protest. That's what a baby's doing. That's what they're crying. They're protesting. They're protesting isolation. Now, if 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 help doesn't come and relationship doesn't come, the second thing that will happen will be depression and despair. And and that's that's not a good thing. But that's the second thing that will happen. But at least that's good because at least there's a sense 
of, of need, of, of wanting it. But the third stage is the stage of disconnection where the person gets uh, um, totally detached, and psychologists call it detached. They, they, have, they become detached from their need for a relationship. Now this is just as much men as it is, it is women. The problem is, the very thing that we need, the most, we're hardwired for, we're now afraid of. That's what the fall did. The very thing that we're hardwired for, we are afraid of. And at some, they call it the need-fear uh, response. What we need, <coughs> we fear. Now that puts us in a pretty tough situation, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We need it desperately, but we fear. We say, well, you know what, well, that's great. Everything. I get that and all that. But that doesn't pertain to me. You know, I've got a lot of friends. Uh, listen, you're talking to somebody who, who honestly, now I don't want to bring it up again because I don't want you to think that I'm bragging. Or something. And I, I, you know, I just, but you are looking at the class wit of 1963 from East Middle High School. I have mentioned it before. So if those of you that didn't know, thank you. Just in case you were here and you didn't know it. But I was one of these people that honestly, I mean, I was just, I always had a lot of friends. Is this true? Is this true? Yes. Okay. yes. There, was always, there was always late, uh, yeah. there were always yeah. your classmates over our house all the time. Your other friends. The thing is this. <laughs> the thing is this, guys. The thing is this. I was a very disconnected person. You cannot tell because you're around a lot of people whether you are the person you're connecting or not. Because the truth of the matter is, we really are people that really need help and the grace of God to really bond, really connect on deeper levels. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize that some of the problems in our lives, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, I, forget, I, I don't want to get distracted, but I mean, so many things. I mean, addictions, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that. So many things come out of a, a, a hole and a hurt, and at the bottom of it, the bottom of it is, we're not really connected on a deep enough level that um, we're having clinical symptoms. We're having clinical symptoms because of it. So now, as I said, you may grow. In growing up, we've had we've had injuries to the to our bonding. What do you think I mean by that? An injury in your bonding. When you're going to bond, there's certain um, parts of yourself that are needed to bond. What, what do you think? What do you think some of those? Bonds. What do you think some of those would be? Actually, you're going to go in a group and you're going to talk about them in a second anyway. What did I do with those questions? What do you think? Um, what do you think it uh, would mean by that? Like, what do you need to? What would you need to bond? Do you have any guesses? Trust. Trust. Okay. Your trust muscle. Your trust muscle. How many can absolutely turn the switch on and trust when you want to, and not trust when you don't want to? Absolutely. You're not in charge of that. You're, you're not in charge of that. You know, we have to, we have people show us that they're trustworthy. And after a period of time, trust is built. But how many can say, when you think about it, you may have had your trust muscle could have been injured? Yeah. Can you think of a situation where you may have had a trust muscle, muscle yeah. injured? So this is the thing, and this is a little bit why I find this a little difficult class to teach and a little frustrating, because honestly, 
how do I put it? M for people to really, I know, I think back on my own life over the years and, and what brought me to this material, you really kind of have to be ready for this material. Because it's not just an intellectual exercise. Oh, you know, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about, you know, having good friends or bonding. This is really, and, and you know what, you know what, the sad thing about it is, do you know what gets you ready? Pain is a messenger that tells us things. And so one of the one of the ways that we are aware, the way that we're aware um, that something's not right, that we're not we're not being we're not on a deep enough level being known and knowing others. I mean I told you my own personal story if you weren't here. Just I, I told you just briefly that Joe and I were married ten years and I went through a difficult physical time and that I realized that the way he handled me and loved me in a very difficult place, that it was the first time my heart was really opening. And, and, and if you would have asked me before, did I love him? Of course I, I loved him. We had a great, we looked like we had a great marriage, and we did on the outside, but there was no way near the level of, <coughs> of emotional intimacy that Joe and I had after I went through this very tough time of pain in my life. Because what happened is, I think I, I mentioned to you, what happened is I showed up finally. The hiding fig leaf. You know, the, the whole idea about your fig leaf, we don't realize how much injuries have kept us from really being afraid. Of if I, you really know me, what will that, I'm afraid of you really know me. Maybe you'll reject me. Maybe you'll hit me. Maybe you'll hurt me. Maybe you'll leave me. I mean, these deep-seated fears are part of our humanity. Look at the culture we're living in. Look at the fear. Look at the uh, lack of. Uh, it's so easy to just throw off a tweet and throw off a, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. I'm out of the out of that thing, but you know, just because we're such a non-relational society today, it, because I don't know you, I can just throw something out and just tell you off, you know, and I can just tell you that I don't agree with you and hurt each other. And we're just living in such a non We think with all of the social media that we're relating and connecting, but we're not. No. Look at what our society is looking like. So, so bonding, this is, this is a, I'm going to give you these questions, but let me just give you some of the parts of you you need to bond with. You need an ability to be vulnerable about your deepest, you know, you're going to get this, you don't have to copy it down. An ability to be vulnerable about your deepest fears, shames, hopes, and feelings. Now, what happened to me is through the pain of that, that experience I went through, I, may, I became vulnerable to Joe. I shared with him because I, in my own way, I just felt like, I told you, I was kind of like, my thing was be strong. I mean, my dad was strong, and that's what I was going to be. I was strong. Well, what happens is when you decide you're going to be strong, what do you do with your weak parts? Because you're human, and you've got them. And so you, you consign them into darkness. And all of a sudden, I had to bring that weakness out and bring it to somebody. You have to bring, let me tell you something. Please, if you don't remember anything else, remember this tonight. You will never be changed, and you will never be transformed, except in relationships. I don't know if you heard me. You'll never change, and you'll never be tra transformed. We can hear all the sermons, for, and we can hear the best sermons and the best teachers from now to doomsday. But until we take the truths of, the, of God and the truths of the Bible, and we take them into relationship, 
will they affect me on a deep heart, on a deep heart level. This is not just about us being happy little people. This is the, this is the heart of who you are. There is nothing more, nothing more, um, <clears throat> there's nothing more central. God is the Father. He's the relationship. He's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything in this universe is related to some to everything else. There's no lone ranges of this universe. And our job here is to learn how to play with each other. Our job here is to learn how to love and to trust. And this is the community. This is what the, uh, this is what church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be just a bunch of people who, you know, we're just getting all the rules and we, you know, we're trying to, you know, fake being nice to each other. This is about really, really. I mean, the Bible says be rooted and grounded in love. And Mike Bickle again, when he said that we would have in the day we're living in, people will be self-medicating with us. Why are we all looking to self-medicate us? Why, guys? Why? Because every one of us in this room is trying to do it and is tempted to do it in some way. Why? Escape. Pain. Would everybody, how many of you would be vulnerable enough in this room to say, I have more stress in my life in the last some of 10 years, five years than I've ever had before? Look at me, I'll tell you. It's true for me. I mean, and it seems like you, and it seems like. You know, the, when every time you feel like you can't take any more, it just feels like it's just the pressure. And, and I think I, you know, I, I, my job is to be as honest as I am with my own, you know, what I, what I feel is the truth of, in Christ. And brothers and sisters, it's not going to get easier. And it's not going to get better. It's going to, this world we're living in, and this stress is not going to go. But it is, if it doesn't drive us to anything, it's going to drive us closer to God to connect with him in ways and to connect with one another on real deeper levels than we ever have before. This is not a this is not a secondary issue. This isn't a psychology issue. This is the this is the absolute core of who God is and what Christianity is all about. I, I love it. I'm gonna pass out uh, soon um, on in his book Safe People, Henry Cloud has a has a few paragraphs about what a safe church is. And I, I want to get it, I want to get it printed, I want to get it put it on a wall. I mean, that's what we want to be here. We want to be a place that has grace and love and truth, but truth that's given without judgment and, and without criticism and judgment. How many want to, listen, it's not a safe place out in that world. It, is it a safe place? Where you work? What do you find where you work? I mean, I'm not on the work world, but I mean, is it a safe place in no, the workplace no. you work? No, no way. People should will be running to the church if this would be if, if God will if, if the, the culture that we could really develop in our lives and in our relationships and our homes and in our community becomes a safe place where there's really love and grace, really love and grace, and really truth. And, and real relationships. So we need we need to have the ability to be able to be vulnerable. We also need to have an ability to express feelings, express feelings. Well, most of us, you know, most people are sitting in psychologist's office because we're so blooming out of touch with our feelings. We kill the messenger. Your feelings, your feelings, 
have a message for you. I think I talked about that last week a little bit. Your feelings have a message for you. And if you kill, and what we're doing, we're doing with drugs, and we're doing with booze, and we're doing with workahol, workaholism, and shopping, and whatever else you want. <clears throat> Could be reading. I mean, I, I have an addiction to reading. It's one of the ways I escape. And uh, we're running from our feelings. We are absolutely. It's one of the reasons. I don't. They, they, some of the studies they say the um, people that are so absolutely afraid to get silent and alone with themselves. It's like how, how many of you ever found that about yourself? Have you ever found that about yourself? What do you do when you're when it's quiet? What do you do? Put the TV on, right? Or why do we do that thing? Why are we doing it? Because we've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing, mm-hmm. and we're afraid to death of getting in touch with what's going on on some deeper levels in us. But I tell you one thing: if you don't deal with your feelings, you know what the rest of the sentence is? Your feelings will you. They will leak. They will slip out with other people in ways that will be will be harmful to them. Your feelings, well, if you don't deal with your feelings, they will deal with you. So one of the ways we, we have to, how do we bond with people? We have to be vulnerable. We have to be able to express our feelings. We have to be able to share our needs. Now that's a big one. I can tell you, I'm not a psychologist, know, I'm not a professional, but in the years that I have counseled people, and there's a lot of them, starting with the woman in the mirror, one of the hardest things I find one of the biggest things I'm talking to people about is being able to express their needs. And if you don't know it, I would ask you to think about it. I mean, we're not talking about functional needs. Hey, could you come over and help me? I have to move a sofa uh, to the other room. We're, we're okay with the functional, asking the functional, but we're not good about asking relational. What would be a relational need you might ask someone? share an inner thought with somebody. Yeah. Something deep, something that means something to me, I would share with somebody here. And I would expect that person to listen mm-hmm. and to understand. How hard is it for us to ask someone? I really, you know, I'm looking to connect on a deeper level and I feel a need. Do you think we could get together and I, you know, or I really have some, some <laughs> issue that I really, and I kind of feel like you're a safe person. Would you be somebody, could we get together? And I mean, I, you may not think so, but I think if you really think about it, mm-hmm. we all find it very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Very hard to do. Mm-hmm. To be, most of us are much easier <coughs> being the giver than the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we need? We need to be ability to share our weaknesses and an ability to ask, like I said, ask for help or support. Uh, we need to all recognize that if we really want to really be the kind of uh, connector that God is, I mean, can you t- think about anything that's more vulnerable than the God of this universe on a cross? Mm-hmm. Do we understand that this is at the root of who God is and the root of this thing we call Christianity? This is not, this is a, being vulnerable and, and, and opening ourselves. As I said, this is at the root of being spiritual, that we are dependent 
Don't we all hate that word, dependent? Mm -hmm. But guys, guys, that's the root of Christianity. It's learning to be dependent on God in deeper and deeper ways and deeper and deeper levels all the time. And that is what, when you, the more you walk with God and the, and the more mature you get as a Christian, means that you just need God more than you ever needed him before. <clears throat> and, and part of that needing him is needing other people. And, and one of the things, well, when I want to talk about some of the things that we do to stave off uh, relationships, before I do that, uh, before I say that, let me just say this. While you're connect, when you go to have, when you go into to a connection, the question is, who are you bringing to that connection? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who are you bringing to that connection? Let me tell you from me who I was bringing to the connection for many years in my life. I was bringing, I, I told you about the strong, the thing, you know, the, uh, the be strong. I remember, um, I, all my same stories again. I remember once a vivid memory of laying on the couch as a young girl next to my mom and I had my head on her lap and I kind of put her hair, her hand on my hair to kind of like me, you know, kind of stroke it and I remember her just pushing my hand away. And she was a lovely woman. She's probably busy. You know, I'm not criticizing her, but you know what? To a 10-year-old kid, you know what that did to a 10-year-old kid? I could still, I'm 73, I'll be 73, I could still remember what that felt like. Like, oh, don't do that again. Oh, don't bring your need. Don't show anybody you want, oh, that you're looking for love. Or, or I mean, we, you've got those same memories that I have, guys. <coughs> we, you've got those same places in us that were injured. And we didn't, the thing is, we don't even know that they're there. And we are afraid. And, and Teddy's right, because we've had these, these things happen to us. And so I, so not only was weakness frowned, and did I have to get rid of my weakness, but if you ask who was coming to a connection, if you were connecting with me, I'll tell you who you were connecting with. You were connecting with the rescuer. You were connecting with somebody who, I look, look like I had it together, you know, I, you know, look like I had it together. But deep down inside, in two-second conversation, oh, hi, Louise, hi, you. Hi, Louise, I'm Linda, nice to meet you. Uh, so tell me, where do you live? And, and uh, uh, marriage, you have to, I would instantly yep. be able to turn a conversation immediately to somebody else and deflect any anything because I had I had learned that now so you know the word codependency right you know that word a codependent is a person who is so needy and so desperately looking for affirmation and approval and love but they think they don't know this this was me they don't know this but while they're thinking that if they love they'll get love back and if they care for others then they will be cared for. Yeah. If they if they pay attention, then they will be. And it is like I had a Henry put it the funniest thing. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I can't remember. He said it's like dressing in camouflage and and hiding behind in a forest and throwing out little papers once in a while for somebody to come and get you. I mean, you, you're desperately looking for all these things, but you're you're you won't can't come out. You don't know it yourself, and you can't be direct and look for and, and ask for it. When a codependent yeah. is drowning, yeah. they see somebody else's life exactly. before their eyes. Exactly. Yeah. That's the <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, so if you met me, you would not know. And listen, don't, don't be so self-righteous and look at me because you got somebody that you have a tendency. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the bad kid? 
Are you, uh, are, are you the intellect? Uh, who do people, we, sometimes we're not really bonding with people and real, are you the clown? Are you just more comfortable with the, with, you know, you make everybody laugh and okay, that's all you backed everybody up because you made them laugh or, oh, you're the guy who know, has all the answers, you know? Uh, I mean, what, who are you, who are you bringing to the connection? And then we wonder why on some level I don't feel full in my that I'm not being filled in my relationships. Well, the problem is, if I'm not bringing, see, this is the, this is the, the fig, tr- fig leaf. I'm not really bringing the real me to this relationship. I'm bringing this other thing. And I'm bringing little parts of me. And little parts of me. Now, again, I'm sorry to keep thinking about it, but the insidious thing about it is you don't know it. All the only thing you know is the pain. You pay like, why is it? I mean, for me, being a coach, I mean, when I learned about codependency, it was like, uh, I mean, it was like, they could just say, dear Linda, love Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Other people have this too? (laughs) I mean, because you don't realize it, but as you're growing up and you get the message, you want to be loved and you don't want to be judged, and somewhere in some place in you, you decide, wait a minute, I, I, re- I can almost remember thinking this and like, oh, okay, so people really like it. I love people. That's what it is. Yeah, I love people. So that's what it is. That's what. That's who I am. That's right. I'm a lover of people. So you know what? You know what you do, though? The only problem is if you're going to be a lover of people, hmm. that's great. Except what are you going to do with the part of you that hates people and gets really angry? Now, now you got a problem. Because you got to put that somewhere. So now, you know, so, so find out who could you be bringing to the connection. You wonder, well, we wonder why our connections are not, why are we not getting deeper with each other? Well, find out who you're bringing. Find out if you're bringing the real you, or if you're bringing in this imposter, uh, or you're bringing your split. Uh, what's a split? In other words, you know, I mean, it could be, well, the codependent, let, let's say the codependent person. Well, they're always very obliging, and outwardly they're very, you know, um, uh, and, you know, embracing. The problem is, they got a whole lot of opinions going on down here somewhere. They got a whole lot of opinions. And the thing is this, remember I said earlier that if you don't deal with your feelings, your feelings will deal with you? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you transparently and frankly that there was a day in my life that I don't know what happened. I can't exactly explain it to you, but I left a meeting on a Sunday, and I was in so much emotional pain that the word anger w- isn't big enough. I would say it was, it was rage. And I would say that all I remember feeling was so tired of trying so hard on some level, but I wasn't aware of that. That suddenly it be- I became aware of it. That I and I was the elder sister, if you ever met her. I'm trying. I'm so trying so hard, God. I mean, don't you see me loving all these people, God? Do you see how much I'm trying? And how come? And there was a part of this unloved person. That was just, all I can tell you, it wasn't anger, it was rage. The, the feeling was so big, I thought it would take me over. And I couldn't even explain it to Joe. I, all I can tell you is, it was the beginning of my freedom. 
because I said things to God like I was so mad at him. I thought, here I was trying to do all these good things. Here, look look at me, God. I'm trying to love all these people. And look, how come I'm so empty? And how come nobody thinks about me? And how come I feel so... And all of a sudden, it came out. All of the stuff that I was hiding from myself came out. And it took me three months to feel forgiven by God because of the things I was mad at God and the things I said to him. And finally, you heard my story, many of you. Finally, one night I woke Joe up and I said, if you don't, I can't live with this pain anymore. If, you, if God doesn't do something for me right now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it another day. He prayed, Lord, give Linda light. The dumbest prayer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, here I am, and that's it. And then, no, no aspersions on you guys, but you know, guys, we'll turn right up back to sleep. Yes, yes, Linda, like. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying, honey. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, the worst part about it is, the worst part about it is, God answers. Then the Lord had the nerve to answer that holy prayer. I'm praying for three months deep prayer. I'm praying really long one little flipping sentence. And God said to me, this is what God said to me, God. This is what God said to me. You know, uh, I didn't take it personally when you said that, when you had that, those feelings, when you told me, when you expressed those feelings. And I was like, um, um, you didn't. I guess that's good, but <laughs> I didn't yeah. mean them to you. <laughs> and now, then you have. You know, now I'm saying about this. You know, there's two parts of you, Jenny. You have two parts of you. One part's going, "You're so crazy. It's God. You're so stupid. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut." And the other, the other part's like not listening at all. The other part's losing his mind. And I'm like, "Oh, for God's sake, you get us in trouble all the time. Keep your mouth shut." And the Lord said, "No, because I didn't take it personal." Because you didn't mean it against me. You meant it took you time. Now, God, I had never read this before. The books that are all covering the bookstores and in Christian bookstores were not there back in the early 80s, guys. This was a direct revelation in my life that changed my life. I said, my parents? And that was the beginning of why you have a book called Changes That Heal in Your Hands. Because then God started to show me. I got on a plane by myself and went out to California to meet Henry and John. I went out because I, I, I they did, Changes That Heal was first called When Your World Makes No Sense. And uh, God was starting to reveal these truths to me. And Henry's, I think, was one of the first books I picked up. I got on a plane, went out there. And I was a curriculum coordinator for a while for uh, their ministry because I wanted so much to be able to get my foot in the door with other churches to help other churches to understand that the church... Listen, guys, I knew the Bible. I taught it. I was a woman of prayer. I lived with Jane Hale. I prayed every morning on the phone with her. I was a giver. I was giving. I was helping. In every, and I was in pain. So when I hear the church say, you know, you need to read your Bible more and you need to pray more, of course you do. Of course you need the tracks of the Word of God. Of course we need those things. But when you have damage, and, and the fall means that we're damaged people, uh, we need a community that accepts the fact. That that's why I love the 12 step. That's why I love the rooms with the with the, the you know the 12 step groups. Everybody knows they walk in and everybody's like, hey, I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. I'm an alcoholic. Yay, Bob, that's great. You come into the church and you say, I'm a mess. I'm a bit. 
Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe you should see the pastors. <laughs> because I was bringing this person to my relationships, and then to make it worse, I become a pastor. Now I now now I'm I'm like I've got all you know people in my mind that I have to help and I have to you know I have to fix and I have to help and I have to be all these things to and so what do you think this does to this codependent? I can do it. Yes, yes, I can do it. So now and now I've got you know now it's now the everything exponentially everything just gets bigger and bigger in my life until I had that. That's why, listen, you see a lot of these pastors, they're, 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 they're <laughs> 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 you know why they're falling into lust and they're, and they're crashing and burning? If you do not have true connections in your life, you are in danger. <coughs> Because this is the that little that little cell that little phone that's looking for connection. Because that little phone, you know, if you're on the plane, you can do your calendar and maybe pick up a few things. But it's going to stay exactly that way. If there's only there's only one thing, a few things it's going to be able to do until it hooks up outside of itself and start and starts to connect with uh, an invisible world. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Larry Crabb, great book called Connection. He, a Christian psychologist, and he said, connection is a spiritual, it's a mystery, but when people and Christians will come together and love one another and connect on, uh, let God bring us to deeper levels, he said, no psychologist, there's no, there's no it is supernatural what mm-hmm. God will do in the lives of people that will, will when the walls come down, uh, Stage two is in change that heals boundaries, and that's about we need fences with gates on it to let out what's bad and to let in what's good. But if you don't get boundaries, holy, healthy boundaries, you'll build walls. And you know what happens when you build a wall? Then the bad can't get out and the good can't come in. Now, the problem for me was in that situation as a codependent and in, in, that, in that role I was in, I didn't let the bad out. I didn't, I didn't even know. And I could not let good in. So letting good in was letting, being vulnerable and in need and, and, and letting love in. I mean, letting love in was, is so much harder for most of us than giving it. So let me just tell you quickly, uh, some of your defense mechanisms that are keeping love out and we don't even know about it. One of them is denial. Uh, one of the things, well, we deny our need. We deny our need for people. Oh, no, really, I'm just kind of an introvert. I really not, you know, I have my my spouse or, you know, whatever. I'm really not, I really don't have any need for, I don't know, maybe other people do, but I'm not really somebody who really needs that. Denial. Um, you know, denial in the Bible is amazing. When the Bible talks about darkness, uh, I, it's just so clear to me that I always, you know, originally in my Christian life, I thought darkness always meant, you know, sin and, and evil, and of course it does mean that, but I think it also means the deep denial that we're in, and we don't realize how absolutely dependent we are on God for revelation to come in. Like he, When he broke through my denial and made me have, when I had to realize how independent I was and how disconnected I was, and that being the giver and always thinking, and you know something? When you're the giver, you're not really, when God showed me 
that I wasn't really loving people. I was really using people. For my, when, you, when you're somebody that feels like you are, you're always the giver, you don't mean to, and God uses, it, you know, uses us in good ways, you know, despite our, our, our problem and despite the fact that we're, you know, we're, we're growing. Um, but we don't realize that, that sometimes we're really using people so that we can feel good about ourselves. And, you know, and, and so basically it's not, you know, it's, it's love. Either we're loving people um, or, we're, or we're using people. And so God wants to free us. God wants to free us from that. So denial is, the big, is a big one. What's another one? Um, devaluation. You know what devaluation is? Um, well, I don't think she really means it. I think she's just trying to be nice to me. I know she asked me to go out with her and everything. I know she's, you know, she she tells me that she'd like to, you know, have a relationship, but I, I don't, you know, I think she's just feeling sorry for me. I don't really. You will find a way to devalue whatever, whenever love comes your way or connection comes your way, you'll find a way to somehow put it in some category so that you will not, you know, you'll you'll take the value out of it. You you won't, you, so you don't have to let it in. What's another one? Projection. Uh, projection. When you're projecting your needs uh, onto other people instead of admitting your needs. Well, I think I described that pretty well in my own life right now. You're projecting your needs uh, on other people. You, you, you think you're helping other people, but really, it's your need you're projecting on them. You know, you're caring. Somehow we feel like we'll be cared for back. And you know what they say about a codependent? You're, you're, you think if you give enough, if you give more, if you just love more, if you just do it better, you'll get it back. You know how long you wait? Forever. Forever. Projection. Reaction formation. Um, this, his answer is, when it comes to establishing and nurturing relationships, are you doing the exact opposite of what you want to do? So, I mean, you may want... In this relationship, you're, what you're looking, what you're looking for, you may want closeness, but instead you run the other way. Uh, you think that you, you know, you want, uh, you think that you, or you're saying that you want connection, but you, you know, you're, you devalue it. I mean, you're doing something to actually do the exact opposite of what you're looking for. Mania, and you know what mania is? Mania is another way that we stay away from connecting. Busyness, busyness, uh, workaholism. That, I think, is the biggest drug today that most of us probably in this room are not even aware of how much we're using. We're keeping busy to not be aware of the pain that we're in because we're really lacking the kind of connection. Listen, connecting connections are fuel for life. If you are low on your fuel, just like a car, you're going to run out of energy. And I've been saying this, and um, forgive me for repeating these, but I think they're important. I can t- I'm getting, at this late age in my life, I'm finally getting to the age where I can see what happens to me when I get low on fuel. All of a sudden, I'm just kind of like, I'm just, you know, I'm grouchy. I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm just, you know, well, I could just bite somebody's head off, or I'm just kind of like... And I don't. And I used to, you know, you wonder like, why is it that I, I'm reacting like that? Is something wrong? Well, I can't think of anything that's really bothering. I'm low on fuel, and you have symptoms in your life 
that you will, some, some ways that you're responding to a lack of fuel and you're not connecting the two. At least now, I finally, maybe finally when I get the, when I get it, I can say to myself, oh, when was the last time I really sat down and had a really good, really good heart to heart with somebody that's safe in my life? I must be, something's going on in me that my I, I, my body and uh, is telling me that you're low on fuel. Um, idealization, you know, a lot of people do this. You know what idealization is? Well, I just can't find the right person. Well, you know, I know she wants to be my friend, but she's not this enough, or he's not spiritual enough, or she's not this enough. So we idealize things, and and that's a good way to keep it away, keep everybody out because nobody's good enough. You'll always find something, and and of course it's true. You will find something with everybody, right? So we'll idealize, and we'll keep we'll keep uh, people of, uh, away. Substitution. Well, we all know what substitution is. We're going to talk about that when we talk about the four different corners. I'm going to be closing now, but the four, we're going to talk about the four different corners. I thought we'd talk about it tonight, but of connection. We started it a little bit last week, and we'll go back to them again. But substitution is what? Addiction. You're using something else. Yeah, replacement. You're connecting to something else other than human beings, mm-hmm. God and human beings. What could you connect with? Sorry. What can you? What are things that you connect with? Drugs. Drugs. Alcohol. Food. Food. Sports. That's right. That's right. Sorry, Lord. TV. That's right. Do you know that? You know what Henry said? Parenting. Isn't that crazy? I I looked twice and I thought I could. You know, we can hot. We can just. We can just, anything that's good, we can actually make into something that we can escape into. I, I remember reading that a few times and thinking, I thought, what? But there isn't just, it, it's not just bad things, it's good things. How about church? You can escape into church meetings. Oh, not this church, but not this church. We, we want you to come to all the meetings. We don't want you to say. No, but I mean, anything that's even good, we can be, if we're running to it, to numb ourselves, then it is a drug, mm-hmm. and it's a drug. And, and the thing is this, God wants us to be people like him who can connect on deep level. And again, who is the biggest connector in the universe but God? And and I'm talking about people because I'm, I'm kind of balancing us a little bit because the church, the church at large in America, you know, a lot of people would think that this is blasphemous to say that, you know, I just need, you know that you know the theology, I just need God. It's just me and God, and, and that's all I need. And that is not New Testament. New Testament is about the each, each person being fitted together jointly, together, loving all the one another's, loving one another, and comforting one another. And, and, and the, the whole New Testament, remember when Paul... When Paul, um, when he was Saul, and he was he was persecuting Christians, remember when 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 Jesus when he was t- thrown off his horse, and he said, and he realized it was Jesus. What did Jesus say to him? Jesus, do you remember what Jesus said to him? Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say why are you persecuting my people. 
Do we understand that he's the vine and we're the branches and that Jesus is really the head of this body? That he, that we, if we understood that Jesus really lives in our brothers and sisters, that he really lives in his body, honestly, it sounds like blasphemy because the church is, is missing the revelation of the fact that God really lives in his people. And he, so, so our independence, uh, our independence of, you know, we can be independent of God. That was Lucifer. That's what started this whole thing. When Lucifer said, you know, I'm going to do it my way, and I want to be God, and I don't want to need. Well, that's true for us with God as well. And I'll tell you something. These truths will revolutionize your walk with the Lord as well. I want to ask you, who do you bring to prayer? What self do you bring to prayer? I said to the Lord the other day, you know what? It's amazing about uh, about my flesh. It's like I really can't stand the fact that you love me just because you are love and you are good. There's something in me that still wants you to love me for something in me. I, I still don't like the fact that you just love me because you are love and that you will love me no matter... I, I want to... Like there's something in us that says it's, it's called pride. I want to know, but God, I want him to love me for something in me that he loves me. Not happening. That's why you say, well, I don't really know if I feel, you know, God, I don't know if he loves me or not. I just say, well, that's pride. Well, what do you mean that's pride? It's pride because if you understood who he was, of course he loves you. That's who he is. What makes you any different than the rest of the human race? He, he can't do anything but love. You are as secure. You are. You are so loved. What, what is the gospel? It's an un. It's an. It's a. It's an absolutely insoluble connection to the God of this universe that nothing. What can separate you from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. Will you let God love you just because he loves you? Just for nothing. When you fall, when you fail, will you just let him love you? Will you let him love you when you sin and you do the worst, the things that you hate? Will you just let God love you there in that place? Well, find out who you're bringing to him. Bring the needy, vulnerable, dependent, <coughs> human person, just with all your stuff, with all your faults, wouldn't it be someplace in this in this church if we all got there and we could all open our arms to each other that way? Wouldn't it be something, guys? People would be knocking our doors down. People would be knocking our doors down. We're going to close. I really, the, the questions that you had and you went to a group with, I really do hope. It really did happen on our Saturday group. And I, I want to tell you frankly, um, it's too late for me not to be transparent, right? It's a little too late, right? Yeah, I so. uh, I had a really tough time with those two meetings here, this group. It was not like my Saturday group. The dynamics were really difficult. And uh, the first two meetings, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know. I just felt like there was the warfare. The first two meetings we got together were really, really tough to break through. I'm glad you're back because I want to tell you the devil is not happy and does not want this church to come. He doesn't want any church 
to break through in these kind of truths. Let me tell you. And you can all call me crazy, and it's okay, because I may be, but I'm going to give you my opinion. The third meeting last week, I felt there was some breakthrough. I felt there was, because, you know, when you're a speaker, I know when people are pulling things out of me, and I know when I'm having a tough time, and the first two weeks were tough. And I went home and I said to the Lord, the third week, I said, Lord, what happened? I mean, it's not like I, I prayed less. The, you know, the first two meetings, I had prayed, I had did, done my part, I didn't, and yet there was, call me crazy. But what was going on in the spiritual atmosphere with the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. I felt like the Lord said to me, you, you think you don't realize how connected we all are. We are affected by the spiritual atmosphere all the... And last week, it was over. To some degree, there was a breakthrough when he was nominated. And and this doesn't mean... You know, whatever side of the fence you're in doesn't make any difference. I am, uh, I am not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I am, the one thing I wish I could get through to, to Christians is this is a spiritual war. Absolutely. This is not flesh and blood. This is not about Democrats. and It's not about liberals and conservatives. It's about the devil and God's plan. Yeah. And that's what, this is what we've got to understand yeah. as Christians. And we've got to know. But I want to tell you, when we have a community of people, and he's fighting us here, and I just want to commend you for all of you coming out tonight. Uh, we've had a tough go, I think, Tuesday a little bit. But I'm telling you, get that sheet you did tonight. Get a few people in this room maybe you feel a little connection to. We'll, let's, let's really change the culture of this church. Let's, um, Pastor James's messages on relationships I thought were fantastic. I think it's the beginning of us really, really starting to decide what really, that we want to come to a new level as a church and in our relationships. Do you agree? Amen. 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 Who wants to close in prayer? Amen. Who feels really energized to go to God and close in prayer? Somebody does. <laughs> somebody in here is somebody, dying somebody. to do it. I'll pray. I'll pray. Go ahead, Jen. Um, we just thank you, Father, for this this house. We thank you that um, yes. Yes, you're so here. You're so you've yes. so. Showed up. I've showed yeah. up in this place. Um, this is your home, and you've invited us in it tonight to commune with you and commune with each other. We thank you for this word. We thank you that you care so much. You've gone before us to meet our needs, our emotional needs that will transcend into our marriages, our relationships, our parenting. And we just thank you that you're in it all. You see our, you see what we need. You're providing for us, Lord. We pray that this fire would continue, yes, that the, um, the group would grow so that people can really yeah. can really become the emotional, yes. healthy people you've created us yes, to be, Lord. Father, that we would be stable and in our stability mm-hmm. to be able That's to right. use us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we would, in, in that stability, we'd be able to see your power, your power right. at work yep. um, in a new way, Lord. So we just yes. offer up all that was said tonight, all that we understand, all that transcended our mind and mm-hmm. went to our heart. Mm-hmm all the pain we have from past relationships and experiences and our our first families. And we we just know, Father, you're in it. We just ask you to reveal to us so naturally as we sleep, as we go about the rest of our weeks, 
areas that, you know, you uncover things. I know you've been doing it in me since I started these classes, just naturally revealing things to me about mm -hmm. myself. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So we just thank you that you're at work. Mm -hmm. We just put it all under yes. the blood. Yes. Amen. 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 You know, Bethany, Bethany House just means so much. We've got uh, uh, Kristen Depp did a sign over there, and we're going to put this one up too. And, and this is, Dear Lord Jesus, we dedicate this Bethany House to you. May you once again find friends here. Jesus' best friend lived in Bethany. And that's what this house is named after Bethany. And so we say, I, I pray that in this next month and as we come to these materials in a deeper and deeper way over and over again, We'll be know it'll be more and more what it's like to be a friend of Jesus. We're playing with the idea of changing our Sunday school name to like play dates because oh, coming it. over here we're talking about his home and you know where you yes. come here to be with your best friends and so we're changing right. the whole mindset. You know Christianity has always flourished in houses, yeah. in homes, yeah. in, in in close relationships. So if Jesus had his best friends in Bethany, we want to be we want to be his friend and we want to make friends. Yes. We want to be friends to one another. Amen. 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 Did you get something out of tonight? Yes. Awesome. Thanks, guys.